0: It's been about 25 years, I'm guessing. Um, It was shortly after Trish and I were married. We were in our first ministry, and we had a very unique problem. After a board meeting one night, the chairman of the board, the chairman of the elders, came to me and he said, we have too much money, and we need to do something about that. We need to give some of this money away. There was about $600 extra in a fund, and he said, find a cause, find some need, and make sure we can give this money away. Said, All right, I'll do that. Well, the next week, I was off to camp with a bunch of high school kids, and I was serving there with, uh, well, some people from this church were there, and people from other churches, and some of my friends from college were there, and people I hadn't seen since we graduated. And, and one night, word came to us that there had been, been a tragic accident. One of the guys I graduated with left college and immediately went to the mission field. He went to Puerto Rico. He was an older student. And he had a family already. And his daughter, who was about seven years old, walking down the street in Puerto Rico, was hit by a car, and she was in a mess. She had to be taken to the hospital, and one of her legs had to be amputated. And bills were piling up. They needed you know, all kinds of help. And if we had anything extra that we could give, it would be much appreciated. I said, I know where there's $600. So I called home and I talked to the chairman of the board and I said, hey, here's the need. Little girl hit by a car, we need to help. And he said, absolutely, we'll help, you know, we, we can do that. So I came home after that week at camp just fully charged up and ready to do something and just glad that we were going to be able to help out. And Sunday morning, I was excited about what we had committed to do, and I was met with caution. And I was told that there had been some concern, and that we would have to have a special board meeting, because after all, we didn't know this little girl. We didn't know anybody in Puerto Rico. And uh, during that board meeting, as, as one of our board members said, there are plenty of needs, right here, that we ought to be helping out before we even think about helping somebody we don't even know all the way down there in Puerto Rico because after all, the good book says charity begins at home. Well, in the end, after our meeting, we sent $300 to the little girl with one leg. And we kept three hundred dollars for local needs and I was young <laughs> but I knew better than to try to correct the misinformation because you see the phrase charity begins at home it does not appear in the Bible in fact the concept does not appear in in the Bible, but it's one of those things that has gotten so ingrained, and we hear it over and over again, and you hear something long enough, and often enough, and in the right situations, you start to believe it, and you start to think that must be the Word of God. And to be honest, it is one of the most selfish sayings you will ever hear. And the worst part, I think the worst part about that phrase, that I I hate to call it a proverb, but the worst part about that phrase is it can cause you to miss out on some tremendous blessings we're going to look at philippians chapter 4 today verses 10 through 20 if you're using the bibles there in the pews it's page 982 now paul's letter to the philippian church is a thank you note to a church that had sent him financial help they had sent him money to uh, help his mission And I suppose it is worth noting that Paul was not from Philippi. He was not from that city. Uh, One of his friends was, and he mentions his friend here, but Paul was not from Philippi. So for the Philippians, charity did not begin at home. It was something that they used to reach out and help others. Their gift was a response to the amazing work of grace that God was working in them and what they saw God working through the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10, Paul says, "...of their gift, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and now at length that you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am in, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to, be, how to abound." not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. And I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. It's a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's response to the gift of the Philippian church gives us insight into God's view of our own generosity. And one of the lessons I don't want you to miss here, one of the things that I want you to see from Paul's response to the Philippians is that Opportunities that we have, opportunities that we have to give to others, they are really to our own benefit. When we have an opportunity to give to someone else's needs, it is really to our own benefit. Every now and then, I still get the question, and I believe it's asked with the best of intentions. I I really do. But every now and then, the question comes up why are we giving to these needs that are so far away? When we've got problems of our own right here, when we've got problems in our own community, when we've got problems right here, why are we giving to needs half a world away when we've got things going on right here? And, and I, think, I really do think it's asked with the best of intentions, with the desire to help with the problems that we can see, the problems that we're confronted with every day. But I think, it, I think it starts in the wrong place. This isn't a zero sum. It's not one or the other. We have the opportunity to do more than just one thing and to give towards more than just one thing But part of the problem with the mentality is it denies who we are. We are not just citizens of Kansas, Illinois and the surrounding areas. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are kingdom people. And the borders that divide us, the the borders that divide this world, they are not our borders. Our borders extend to the kingdom of God. And our responsibilities extend through the kingdom of God. Our responsibilities are as big as as the kingdom. The way that we give can help us understand that. The way that we give can help us enlarge our view of God's kingdom. So in that respect, it's not just about helping others. It's a matter of personal growth. It's a matter of what my giving is doing for me. Paul says in verse sixteen or verse 17, and thanks for their gift, Paul says in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. In other words, Paul's saying it's not about me. It's not about my needs. It's not because I need help. It's about you. It's about your need. It's about your need to give. If you go back a few chapters, in fact, chapter one, we have Paul's thoughts about the church. And this is a scripture, this is a verse we love to quote, but I think we often miss the context that, that he's not writing this to an individual Christian. He is writing this to an entire church. In Philippians chapter one, verse six, Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's a great verse. I love that. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And whenever I read it, I think about me. (laughs) I think about, oh, he's going to complete that good work in me. But look at the context. Paul's talking about the church. He who began a good work in you, Kansas Christian Church, he will be faithful to complete that work that he began in all of you. That's the context. So Paul follows that up at the end of the chapter, at the end of the letter in chapter fourteen or me, chapter 4, verse 17, with your generosity is a credit to your account. It is proof that he is completing that good work which he began in you. And one of the problems with this saying, charity begins at home, is it doesn't mean what we think it means. The word charity does not mean what we think it means. It's only been in the last few years that the word charity has become synonymous with giving, with helping out, financial support for someone. So we have charities, and and we have all of these causes, and we say, well, that's a charity, that's a charity, and we support this charity, we support that charity. It's only been in the last few decades that the word charity has come to mean a a financial need that you support, a cause that you support. Prior to that, the word charity was synonymous with love. In fact, the word charity means Christian love. It is synonymous with agape love. Some of you are familiar with that. Agape love is self-sacrificing love. Love that seeks to help another person no matter what it costs you. It is the love that Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross. That's what charity means. You're familiar with uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know all that. You probably send it to your, you know, wife or husband on a, Card, you know tell them how much how important they are to you you know every year on valentine's day or something we we love to use the the love chapter if you go back and read the old king james 1 corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 says in the old king james it says charity suffereth long and we translate that into modern english and we say love is patient so the phrase Charity begins at home. What it really means is the way you love other people, the self-sacrificial love that you have for someone else is proof that you were brought up in a Christian home. It's not about helping your own people first. It's not, help, not about helping you know, me and mine and, and the people that are closest to me first. What it means is I can tell that you were brought up right because of the way you're helping somebody who can't help themselves. Because of the way you're giving and the way you're helping someone else. Charity begins at home. I see your Christian upbringing from the way you help someone else. You were raised to love those who are in need. We are blessed here with a wide variety of missions that we support in this church. A wide variety of opportunities To stretch our faith, to increase our vision of God's amazing grace and how He works in our world and how He uses us right here in Kansas to do amazing things around our world. Paul is saying of our giving, He says of our giving, it increases the fruit, uh, it is fruit that increases your credit. It is as though God were saying to us, I can tell, I can see that you understand Jesus' kind of love. By the way, That you love others by the way that you help others. So our giving, opportunities to give, are really to our own benefit. What Paul also shows us is that when we give, we are really giving to God. Verse 17, Paul uses language of business. It's a a business language. Your gift is a credit to your account. You know, that's very business-like there. And then he gets into verse 18, and he takes them back to the Old Testament in verse 18, and the the time of temple sacrifices. And he says in verse 18, having received full payment and more, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Their gifts and our gifts are a reflection of of Jesus' sacrifice. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, Paul speaks of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And he speaks of it in Old Testament language. And he says it is an acceptable sacrifice. It is a, his, his sacrifice was a fragrant offering the way He gave Himself up. But what we also see here is that our gift is acceptable and pleasing to God. What makes your gift acceptable and pleasing? Is it the amount? <laughs> no. It's because... It comes from your relationship with God. It comes from a heart, and a heart of obedience. Obedient to His love. Obedient to the image of His Son. You know, one of the worst and most subversive elements of this saying, charity begins at home. One of the, one of the worst elements of it is it allows us to define what is home. You know, how big am I going to define home? Is home... The entire world is home my country, is home my state, is home my county, is home my city, is home my church, or is home my home? And we can define home as narrowly as we want, all the while making excuse after excuse to do nothing and to help no one because charity begins at home. And I get to say how narrow my home is. And we sound holy, we sound like god has approved that it's exactly the opposite of what jesus does isn't it someone asked jesus what's the greatest commandment jesus said love the lord your god second one is like it love your neighbor as yourself and what did they say oh well who's my neighbor you know if charity begins at home you tell me who my neighbor is and his neighbor was was not his neighbor it was not someone that he would have seen on, on any given day. It was not someone that he would have associated with. It was a vile, hated Samaritan who was injured, who was in need of help, who could not help himself. And so what did the man do? He, or the, the Samaritan comes along and he, he binds up the wounds. He takes care of the man. He, and, and then the question's at the end, so who was the neighbor? And he says, well, the one who helped him. That Samaritan. That's the, that's the neighbor. Jesus says, there's your answer. That's who your neighbor is, the one that you need to help, the one that's in need in that moment, the one that we show mercy to. That's the neighbor. Jesus said of our giving and of our love, he said, in as much as you've done it to the very least of these, you've done it to me. In as much as you've done it to the least of these, You've done it to me. He didn't tell us where the least of these would be. He didn't tell us if they would be in our town. He didn't tell us if they'd be in our country. He didn't tell us where the least of these would be. He didn't tell us if they would be half a world away. He simply said that when we care for those in need, when we care for those who cannot pay us back, we are really caring for him. When we give, we are really giving to God. It's important that we see that. It's important because it's not just a matter of, of giving to God. It's a matter of building a relationship with God. And, and what we find is that giving, when we give, giving increases our trust in God. So much of what Paul writes here at the end of his letter to the Philippians, so much of it is, is just kind of sandwiching the things that he said at the beginning. Chapter 4 reflects all of the promises and and his prayer in chapter 1. Your giving is fruit to your credit. Your giving is proof that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. We see how those are sandwiched together. And it was there in the beginning of Philippians that he prays this. In chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul prays, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of christ paul saw that as their love would grow as their giving would grow they would grow more and more in knowledge and discernment so that they might recognize what god sees as excellent and they might add their approval to what god is doing It's as though he sandwiches that prayer with what he says in verse 19 here in chapter 4. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. If your love is abounding more and more, if you are reaching out and helping more and more people, the result is you have a greater awareness of God's power to meet your own needs and the reality is you have a greater trust in God's supply, and you're developed because you're developing a, an understanding of God's heart. You're developing an understanding of his love and the way that he gives himself to you. And I want to make sure you understand this. The more you give, the less likely you are to be taken in with false needs. Okay? The more you give, the less likely you are to be taken in with false needs and, and false causes because of this discernment that's growing inside you, this knowledge and discernment. And there are some false needs out there, aren't there? You know, There are some things out there that they, they sound good, they sound important, they look like something we ought to help towards, and, and yet we know we've been taken from time to time. Happened to me just the other day. I told you a story about a year ago when we were in Champaign, for Gracie's birthday. Gracie's birthday was Friday. And a year ago, Friday, we were in Champagne for Gracie's birthday. And we're driving down the road. We're on Neal Street. And there's a man on the side of the road with a cardboard sign that said he needed help, that he was, he was a, out of work and he needed help. And I looked at the sign and I thought to myself, oh, sure. You know, you got, you've got a small business, buddy. You know, you just stand there on the side and you hold the, you hold the sign. That's your business. You know, he's probably got a Cadillac parked half a block away. And put his sign away. And then Trish looked at the guy, and she said, he doesn't have any shoelaces. Now, if you want to get me, show up without shoelaces. You're in sandals. It doesn't count. But the thought that occurred to me is, if I were out to scam people, there's a lot of things I would do, but one thing I wouldn't do is be uncomfortable, especially if I was going to be standing on my feet all day. I would want to make sure my feet were comfortable, and I would have the proper kind of shoes, and I would have my shoes laced up. I immediately saw that and I said this guy's legit and I I handed some money over and Trish rolled down the window and gave it to him. He said bless you and we blessed him. A year to the day. A year to the day and about half a block away, we're parking our car on Neal Street to take Gracie in for her for her birthday lunch. And as I'm parking the car, here comes a man saying I need to know which direction to go to get to Danville. I'm stranded here, and I need to get to Danville. Now, he was wearing a long-sleeved shirt and a tie, and he had a backpack on his back. And I thought, if I'm stranded on June 20th when it's 90 degrees, I'm not wearing a certain shirt and a tie. And I simply said, because I didn't have any cash on me, I said, I don't have anything to help you with. He turned around and walked away and went to try to hit up somebody else. I walked away at peace with that because I knew that there was a little bit of discernment in what I had said and a little bit of discernment in what I had, what I had seen there. But what happens is the more, the more you give, the more you get in touch with God's hearts, the less likely you are to be taken in because God blesses you with more discernment, with more knowledge, Um, Paul's prayer is that your love would abound with knowledge, with discernment, with understanding of real needs, so that you might be able to approve what is excellent. So that you might be able to know what is best. What is your best course of action? What is the best thing that you can give to? Because of your exposure to the loving heart of God, you will know how to ask is this really helpful is this really something that i need to be giving towards and along with that along with that you will be less likely to ask yourself the question what can one person do you know what what can i do to help is there any difference that i can make in this situation that's a world away that i don't understand i'm not sure how that works what can one person do? You'll be less likely to ask that question. it would be less overwhelming. What can one person do or what can one church do? What can we do? What difference can we make? Because suddenly, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about your gift to Him. It's about the way that you know His heart. And you will know exactly what you can do, exactly what we as a church are called to do, and exactly how He's called you to love Him. And so is it any wonder that Paul ends this passage with praise to God. Verse 20 is another doxology, glory words that we encounter in the Scripture. Verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul has called the Philippians, and he calls us, to know the very heart of God of God, through the way that we give, through the way that we sacrifice, through the way that we love other people. And beyond just being a response to this, to this passage, beyond just being a response to, to what we read here, what Paul has written, it becomes a response to our giving, to the way that we show love, the way we show real charity to other people. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's amazing to think about the power that's in the way that you give. There's power in the way that you give. Not only power to meet someone's need, not only power to help them out, but in the way that you give and the way that we give as a church, you have the power in your giving to allow that to overflow into praise in someone else's life. Not just praise here, but praise around the world praising God for the way that you give praising God for your heart because you were raised to reach out and to love someone else the way that Jesus loved you because in a very real meaning of the word charity did begin at home you were raised to love other people I want you to consider two things today two things two challenges for you this week first of all maybe I haven't convinced you And maybe you're still convinced that somewhere in the Bible you could find the phrase charity begins at home. (laughs) Maybe you're going to go home and you're going to start skimming through and you're going to find exactly where that's located. Good luck. But maybe you're not convinced and you think it's in there somewhere. So my challenge for you is this. If charity begins at home, does it end there? If charity begins at home, where should it go? where does it end the second challenge is this the philippians gave to paul's need and the result was overflowing praise the philippians gave to paul's need need and the result overflowed in praise to god their gift inspired praise so i want to ask you this who is praising god today Because of the way that you love. Because of the way that you give. I want you to consider this. Kansas, Illinois is a tiny little town. I've found some maps that don't even include it. You know? I have seen maps that do not even have Kansas there. And you know what you do? You have to look over here and find Charleston. Then you have to look over here and find Paris. And then you kind of draw a line and you put a little circle there yourself. You say, yep, that's it. You know, you, you couldn't find it if you weren't looking for it. You know, it's, it's, it's not always there. It's a tiny little place in the middle of nowhere. But there are people in this world who are praising God because of the way you give. How far away have you inspired praise? There are people in Kenya who are praising God because of the way you help out Sammy Marimi and the work that he does with Share International. There are people in Nigeria who are praising God because of the work of Ed and Janice and how we support them. There are people in prisons in our state who are praising God because of the way that we help out James Helton and his prison ministry. There are people today who are praising God because of the way that we support Operation Christmas Child and the gifts that you've given to Operation Christmas Child. There are churches all over the world that are becoming houses of prayer because of the way you support Harvest Prayer Ministries. And then there's new opportunities, like opportunities in the Appalachians, where where God desperately loves those people and desperately needs to be praised. And because of the work that Susie's been doing that so many of you are getting involved in and more of us need to support, we're sending Susie to the Appalachians and so many of you there, other people there as missionaries soon, you know, to, to go and take gifts so that God might be praised there. And right here, right here in our community through VBS, which starts in just a few weeks, you know, it's coming right up. Not only is that something to keep the kids busy and off the streets, you know, for a couple hours once a week, but it's a chance for families to praise God. It's a chance to, to minister to whole families and to show them the love of Christ. And so many other ministries, Paul would say, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I want you to consider where is God being praised? Because of the way you're giving. How far away does the praise of God reach because of the work of Kansas Christian Church, because of who we support, because through the knowledge that we have, through the discernment we have, we have lent our, lent our support and. and uh, approved of what was happening in other places god is glorified god is glorified right here god is glorified on the other side of the world because of you so we should glorify him together let's stand together as we sing